Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Late on a Friday, where it is Go Big Orange Friday on this very feed. Ryan Shumpert is here. Ethan Stone of the UTK Daily Beacon is away this week, recuperating from. Uh, from some wisdom teeth surgery that I still need to get for my bottom two. Uh, so thank you for the reminder, Ethan. Hope you're well um, and keeping uh, time. He's keeping track of time with with hormones uh, per our, tw- our, uh, <laughs> our Twitter thread. So he's doing great on uh, the medication. But Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top, Rocky Top Insider is here. Ryan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, and, uh, we were talking about two weeks ago uh, how I think kind of brain dead all of us were. Felt felt good to get done. I got done Tuesday, feeling relieved. You know, kind of got the the brain numbing uh, past me, and then I I proceeded to watch Tennessee play one of the worst basketball games. Uh, Tennessee and Texas Tech uh, put the responsibility on both teams. Play one of the worst basketball teams uh, ever that night, or one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen that night. And that kind of uh, Put, fell, put me back into like school mode there for for a couple hours, but oh, once the once the clock hit midnight and it was Wednesday, I, I've been feeling good. There you go. Um, I was in your old stomping grounds working at the Fountain City Library on uh, uh-huh. something this week, and some Central kids came in at the uh, the tail end of my stay doing some work, and uh, they had the Bobcat Pride stuff on, and uh, you know all about the Bobcat Pride in uh, oh, the yeah. Shepherd area, yeah. Um, and they were talking about, I think it was physics, physics finals and like chemistry. And I was listening to some of it because like it, they were kind of loud because they're high schoolers. And I realized I don't remember anything. Like I don't like the stuff that they were talking about. Like it's amazing how little I remember from physics and chemistry and a lot of those science labs and everything where I just, it, it was incredible because I don't envy that situation. I'm so glad that part of my life is long gone, but it's also amazing just how absent all that information is from my from my brain exactly i mean that's i was never good at science so i mean I, it was always a foreign language to me i can't mm-hmm. imagine what it sound like now but um just my, my roommates and a couple other friends did like a little 18 fantasy league this year and we've made a, a punishment just to keep people checking and that was you had to take the act if you lost <laughs> and i was and you had to get we had made it where you had to get a certain grade i think 17 or 18. Luckily, I'm not going to come in last, though. I was flirting with it for a while. Um, but I was t- thinking about it. I was like, do I try? Do I just guess? And I was like, the math section, I might as well just... I mean, it, there's not a chance in the world I'm going to know anything that's going on in the math section. I mean, yeah. I probably couldn't even get uh, 15 on that part of it. Isn't it wild, though? It's just you spend so much time studying and cramming and everything else, and then it's just gone. It's just gone forever. Um, I, I don't know. It It's amazing because I just remember losing my mind at Trig and doing all this stuff. And yeah. it, it's just gone. Like, I just spent so much time doing it and working on it. And geometry, like, I was awful. Geometry is probably the worst class I've ever had uh, growing up. Like, I was awful. Shapes, not for me. Not a big shapes guy over here. And I don't know. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything. What's the trapezoid? Who knows, Ryan? Who knows? Not me. Yeah. No, certainly not me. I mean, it's that just imagine a trap is the way got my head spinning trying to think of like all the geometry stuff you had to figure out with the the angles and oh gosh, that just 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 miserable. Glad mm-hmm. hopefully don't have any high school listeners, but uh, just do not do not envy people having to learn that. 
No. And they're still like in school for like another couple of weeks. They get out super late. We get our two month off break. Uh, this can be nice. Um, I'm glad we don't start till the end of January because I needed a break as I imagine you did as well. Um, but you mentioned at the top uh, the Vols game against Texas Tech. Uh, my family group chat did not take that game very well. Uh, it was pretty it was pretty pretty dubious pretty dark uh on the timeline when i was scrolling through later on but you wrote something that i want to mention here in regards to the balls falling in myc to the red raiders uh you said quote unable to get open looks at the basket subsequently the balls took an abundance of threes very few went in tennessee made six of 40 attempts with two coming in the first half two coming in the second half and two coming in overtime. The two made triples in overtime came with the Vols trailing by six or more with under 40 seconds left in the game. That was that was the story, I think, here, right? It had to be. I mean, it absolutely had to be. And you, I don't know, from doing some reading, obviously I know Will Warren comes on here, read his preview, yeah. stuff I did on my own. It was, it was very apparent that this was going to be a tough matchup just from what Texas Tech can do defensively with five guys all you know all around the same height that switch everything you knew that was going to make it a challenge and they were able to not completely take kennedy chandler out of the game but certainly limit what he could do and then when that happened tennessee was able to kind of fight through and get open looks from three but once they weren't falling tennessee just didn't have any answers uh, offensively and you, that's why i think you saw tennessee keep taking those open shots just hoping they would fall i think as tennessee kept on missing texas tech was more willing to give them up and it made things just harder to get at the basket. And, and I wrote about it today, actually, that Tennessee's front court scoring, they just haven't provided much this year, and there's not a whole lot of consistency there. Uh, Fulkerson, I think, has been solid, but certainly not the guy, not the 2019-2020 Fulkerson who was an all-SEC-level player. So when you play teams that can limit what Kennedy Chandler can do at the basket, and Tennessee doesn't shoot well, they, they have some serious offensive issues, and it's something that Texas Tech really exploded or exploited, and I think you're going to see other teams really try to do that too. And the focal point once once Tennessee gets into SEC play, I think for a lot of opponents, is just going to be about uh, limiting what Kennedy Chandler can do, and then hoping Tennessee shoots poor on any given night. Yeah, I just like that they're getting like I think they're. It's just such a big stark contrast to what they were doing last year with Keon and Springer and company that like I'm okay with them having these clunkers and having these awful shooting nights early because I think they need to learn uh in this regard like they need to learn how to win games when the shots aren't falling they don't need to go away from shooting threes and playing this style I think this is still the style that could advance in the farthest in March so keep doing this but also like Rick Barnes kind of alluded to was just that like one of the things that people might forget about this game is that Tennessee actually went from number three to number one in defensive efficiency, uh, even in the loss. So this is right now statistically the best defense in the country. So his point that like this team doesn't quit even when the shots aren't falling is hugely indicative of what kind of team and what kind of toughness this team has and what kind of focus that they have to keep getting after it on the defensive side of the court even when their shots aren't falling because it's just really easy to get down and to start uh just missing assignments and not taking the defensive side of the floor as seriously um when your shots aren't falling because the game's not as fun uh when you're not making shots and they don't seem to be phased by it which i think is super important right you're 100% right, and I think that was a big lesson from the Villanova game. In the Villanova game, we saw Tennessee's shots didn't fall, and their effort slipped on the defensive end, and they played well on defense the first 10, 15 minutes of that game. Kind of the same in the second half. First 5, 10 minutes of the second half, they played well. But when it was 
the offense struggled to affect the defense, and that was not the case uh, against Texas Tech on Tuesday. And I mentioned it with Texas Tech having those big guys, and, and Tennessee played a lot of their three-guard set with Ziegler and Chandler and Vescovi and, or Vescovi in the game. And they, Texas Tech Don't make Fran Fracella come after you. Uh, Fran, do not, do not track me down. I, I disavow my comment. Um, but the Texas Tech tried to bully Tennessee's guards, and Tennessee's guards didn't have, didn't allow that to happen. And as much as I think there's been inconsistencies with the offense, question marks with the offense, I had a lot of question marks with the defense coming into the season, and they've wildly exceeded all my expectations. I mean, I think the defense is probably why I was a little bit lower on this Tennessee team than a lot were, but they've just been fantastic. Obviously, you said first in Ken Palm, they've been good in the interior, Cam Lobb, and while there's plenty of things I think you can criticize him for, he's been consistent on defensive end. Fulkerson's improved on the defensive end. And then just some of the things that Josiah James can do when he goes down and plays the four and Santiago Vescovi. Vescovi, goodness, it's just... In, <laughs> I'm not doing brain. it. He's Vescovi. Like, he's Vescovi until he's gone. <laughs> I don't care. Like, if Vescovi is... Ne- like, I'm never transitioning out of Vescovi. That's not happening. I Like, we're too far gone. It's Vescovi. It's done. It's one of those things where... When I write it and I move, you know, I'm going slow. I, in my head, I hear Vescovy, but when I say it, I'm I'm, I'm just too trained from the two and a half years of calling him uh, Vescovy. And credit to him, a lot of people when all that stuff was coming out, completely changing the subject. Now we're ripping him. Oh, you don't get to, you don't get to decide what change your name three years in like JG did. That's not what happened. Uh, they Tom Sokoviak, Tennessee's SID, just picked up on the fact around uh, Santiago's family that. They had it pronounced wrong. Changed the pronunciation guide. That's when Frasilla picked up on it. And uh, Santiago talking to the media was like, yeah, call me call me whatever you want. I don't care. But uh, to the point, back to the point, Tennessee defense has been really, really good. And I think Vescovy taking a huge step forward has been a, a big reason for that. And just as a whole, I think that gives you a lot of optimism that when the offense isn't going well, they're still going to be able to be in games and have a chance to win. And I think you saw that at Colorado. They won by double digits when they didn't shoot the best. And then against a good Texas Tech team that I think is probably better than most people realize they were in it till the very end. And uh, they had a three right there, a chance to, to win it and end a regulation. Yeah. Um, Ziegler has been like the, the most fun part of this season that I don't think either of us saw coming, right? Yeah, I agree. You know, watching him practice in the preseason, it was quick. It was like, okay, wow, this guy's this guy's good. Tennessee got a steal with this guy. But he's five foot nine. He was a junior in high school last year. He didn't arrive on campus until after a week and a half after classes started. And it was just like, I, I don't know what I can expect from him. He's exceeded my expectations. Uh, he's been a little bit streaky, but you just see him. He, he can bring that energy and bring that jolt. And you saw it in, in the first half, of the last five, six minutes of that Texas Tech game. Tennessee was down by double digits. He, I think, scores six of Tennessee's last eight points, and just with a quick spurt, gets Tennessee right back in the game. And and to my same point about the defense, he's despite his very very small stature, he's held up well on that. And I think he plays a little over aggressive at times. I think there's some games he might get burned with some fouls in that regard. But for the most part, I mean, he's really exciting to watch. And you you really it's a crazy story. It's not quite to uh, the Vescovy story of showing up in. December and being the starting point guard a week later, but it's it's pretty darn crazy uh, just what he's been able to give Tennessee this early in the season. Absolutely. Um, well, let's transition to football because I think uh, it's hype season, if you will. It's hype season. I'm all aboard the hype train uh, as we get uh, closer and closer to early signing day. 
uh, Tennessee is making moves. Um, so there's a really good uh, piece about kind of hi- highlighting just how quickly Tennessee has risen up the recruiting rankings. It's kind of the antithesis of what's going on at Florida at the moment. Um, so I'm looking forward to losing to a less talented Florida team for the next three years. That's going to be great. Really going to love that. Um, but fast forward to a to December 1st uh, when Tennessee had the 24th ranked class nationally and ninth ranked in the SEC. Um, right now, we've moved up to number 18 and uh, number 7 in the SEC. So they're flirting. Like the Walter Nolan thing, I think, will event- will be the final big thing that could potentially move Tennessee up even higher. But Tennessee, over the last month, I don't know if people have noticed, they are skyrocketing up uh, up the recruiting boards. And it's a lot of DBs. Shout out to Rodney Harrison's son and the shout out on national television. That was good. And also um, the receivers that Tennessee is bringing in, along with Addison Nichols, obviously, and Taven Jackson and Cam Miller. But um, are you surprised at the recruiting uptick that's happened so so fast here in Knoxville? Not particularly. It was just because you knew Tennessee was going to fill out some spots. And they were only in, I think, 13, 14 range when the season ended a few weeks ago. So you knew they were going to add guys. And uh, I think you knew some of these guys were, were trending towards Tennessee. Caleb Webb, who committed today, which I think his, his commitment actually bumped Tennessee all the way up to 16th nationally in 247's rankings. And he was a guy that visited Tennessee twice this fall, came in for official visit last week. Once, you, once he made his announcement you could kind of connect the dots and assume that he was going to be coming to Tennessee so I think it's been a huge plus and I I don't think it's necessarily even done there's a lot of guys Tennessee is still in on some blue chip guys that's kind of been I guess the one criticism you want to have in this class not a ton of blue chip guys but uh, Chandler Smith receiver decommitted from Florida earlier this week he was uh, in Knoxville last week the only place he visited this whole fall besides Florida has been Tennessee he says he still plans on signing on national National Signing day, day next week. If that's the case, you would have to think Tennessee's in a really good spot. So it's been a really strong close. I think you mentioned the defensive backs. None of those guys are, are big-time, you know, four- or five-star recruits. But I think that was a really important position for Tennessee to add some guys, that, especially when you look at who they're losing this year and just the, the lack of numbers they had in the defensive backfield in this class. I think that's really just as important as what they've done on the offensive side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um do you think Jacob Copeland is a fit in Knoxville in the portal? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, and one I'm not really sure on. You know, I from the from the very outset, I say yes, just because of how much talent he has. Tennessee, while you know they think they might have Cedric Tillman back, obviously they're waiting official word there. That's where it seems like that one's trending. They still need bodies, and they still need reliable guys. And you have guys like Jalen Hyatt and Jimmy Callaway who. Played some this year, flashed at times from our guy Ramel Keaton, I should add in there as well. But I think no one that has done what Copeland has done in his career at Florida. And I think, you know, I know when he came out of high school, there were some some issues with, with some uh, off-the-field stuff. It doesn't seem like that's been a problem at all since he's been at Florida. So you would think Tennessee would be, it would be heavily pursuing him. I haven't heard anything specifically on that. And just with the success Tennessee had with some guys in the transfer portal last year, specifically Javante Payton, their receiver, and just what, how exciting Tennessee's offense is, you would think it would be an attractive destination for Copeland. Yeah, I, um, I'm i also curious uh, how much of stuff just depends on Cedric Tillman and obviously Velas Jones is gone. So 
big big names to replace but i am curious because uh, the wide receiver room i think is going to fill up uh, pretty quick and uh i don't know we'll have to see what happens there uh what do you make of chandler smith yeah he's, he's a really fast guy you know that's the thing that stands out uh, about him the most and i think uh, more than anything maybe when you look back at his recruitment what impresses me was just the consistency that tennessee showed and, it, and that's so important in recruiting and we saw that with the the Memphis trio a few years ago where Tennessee was kind of cold on them early and then decided they wanted them and Tennessee's assistants have stayed on it on them the whole time and they were in a good position and he had the same thing on Smith and he's a big time recruit he committed to Florida he said even in his decommitment tweet this week that that was you know Florida was his dream school and it seemed like everyone else has quit recruiting him Tennessee didn't and granted Smith stayed committed through all the turmoil that was at Florida the last six weeks and Tennessee just kind of kept staying strong kept being in there and now uh, we've seen a lot of people, you mentioned it there at the start, a lot of people kind of jump ship at Florida. And now Tennessee is in, in a very uh, good position to get them. I don't know how much of an early early uh, impact player he is, but uh, a real fast guy, good track runner, got good size, a lot of potential there for sure. And I think he would be about Tennessee's third or fourth highest rated commit if the Vols were able to get him. Yeah, well, we, we shall see. Um, we can end here. Walter Nolan. The comments from his parents and like clearly Rodney Gardner and Heupel are making a big push. He was just on campus, I think, this past weekend, right? For another official. Um, Obviously played at Powell, won a state title this year at Powell, watched him in person. He's a big man. Walter Nolan is a large individual. Um, Also very good and very talented, but obviously committed to Texas A&M not too long ago. He's his family's from Memphis. He's played at Powell. I the quotes from them seem to indicate that it's not over and that I think Tennessee is still in this and I think his parents are probably hoping that he stays close to home. What do you think? Do you do you think it's at least a 50-50 shot that Nolan comes to Tennessee or do you still think it's almost it, it's very very heavily favored in uh, the Aggies direction right now? I don't know if I'd say very very heavily favored but I would still be surprised if he doesn't end up at, at A&M. I, maybe that's just me being uh, a little skeptical, a little glass glass half empty instead of half full, but his recruitment has been one that's been very chaotic, uh, a lot of back and forth. So you never rule anything out, which is why I say maybe not heavily, heavily thinking he goes to A&M, but I would be a little surprised. I think Tennessee has done a good job of staying with it. Rodney Gardner is certainly a guy you never count out. Is for 30 years he's been pulling off these type, landing these type of players uh, at the last hour. So you never say never, but it seems to me uh, like it's going to be a And M, and I would be a little surprised if it, if he ended up pushing things off and not deciding until the late signing period in February, or if he he went ahead and signed with Tennessee this week. Mm. Well, let's let's see what happens. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, predictions for the game tomorrow. <laughs> I think Tennessee wins. You think so? I think you. I think UNC Greensboro is the best of the. I guess it would be six teams that they played this year, low major teams. So I think it could be a little more competitive game than some of them. But and I haven't even seen a line at this point. But I would still think it's a game Tennessee wins by by twenty plus points and and figure some things out. And that's one thing when we talk about the shooting, and it's hard to say whether that's because they're playing better opponents on the road than they are at home. But Tennessee has just been a much, much better shooting team uh, so far this season at Thompson Bowling Arena. 
I think they get things back on track, shoot well tomorrow, and get a get an easy win going into USC Upstate on Tuesday. It's remarkable the disparity between the next five games for uh, for the Vols. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's well, it's Greensboro, South Carolina Upstate, Upstate. which is not a real school. That's not a real place. South Carolina Upstate does not exist. <laughs> um, Memphis, obviously in Nashville, Arizona, and Bama. The next yeah. three. That is, ooh, we're going to find out a lot about this Tennessee volunteer team and then uh, after South Carolina Upstate. Those, that three-game stretch, I think we're just hoping for one and two. Like, I, I think one and two is the worst, but two and one would be very, very impressive in that stretch. It certainly would, especially given the fact that Alabama game is on the road. And I think from uh, the top of the SEC, it's tight. There's a lot of good teams, but Alabama would be my pick as the best team in the SEC from what I've seen so far. And, and I think the thing that's maybe scary about that situation or that stretch is that Memphis is by far the easiest game. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on that Memphis game either way. And Memphis, as bad as they've been on offense, I still think is good on defense. Is going, going to make that game close and make that game pretty competitive. So there's a lot of pressure on Tennessee to win that game when you have an Arizona team that's really overachieved so far this season uh, under Tommy Lloyd, first-year coach, and in that Alabama game. And even after the Alabama game, that first, first stretch of SEC play for Tennessee is really hard. The first three Saturdays, they go to Alabama, or I guess they play – Alabama on a Wednesday, and then they have the New Year's Saturday off. But then after that, they go to their first third and fifth game in SEC play, too. It lost to be on Saturdays at Alabama, at LSU, at LSU, and at Kentucky. So those are really challenging games, and I think you're going to learn a ton about this team in the end of December and really a, a challenging start to the of SEC play that if Tennessee wants to win the SEC, wants to be in the thick of it, I think they're going to have to come out strong in January and maybe not surprise some people, but, but play about as well as they can and get some tough road wins. Yeah, well, we shall see. We shall see. Ryan Shumpert, uh, thank you as always for the time, my good friend, and uh, we will talk again very soon. Yeah, of course. Love, love coming on. Uh, upset we didn't have Ethan with us today, but uh, we'll have to get him back next time. He really would have been a delight today with uh, Ethan on pain meds from uh, <laughs> from wisdom tooth surgery. That could have been a whole whole fun ordeal. Who knows what Ethan? Yeah. All, what kind of takes would come out of Ethan tonight? Who knows? Yeah, I think we could just rebrand rebrand the segment is back to vo- volcanic takes, but something with, with some <laughs> pills in there. Get some pills in the, in there uh, uh, on on the name of it too. I'm sure it would not have disappointed. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Ethan, rest up. We'll talk to you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.